the podcast on the Sing Second Sports Network are a ProVision Advisors production. At ProVision Advisors, we specialize in strategic communication planning, execution, and coaching for senior-level leaders and communicators dedicated to achieving success. Visit ProVisionAdvisors.net to learn more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Navy Football Podcast. I am Bill Wagner, Naval Academy Athletics beat writer for the Baltimore Sun and Capital Gazette newspapers. I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts, former Navy football greats Keenan Reynolds and Eric Katani. This is the Tulsa pregame podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming home game against Tulsa. Navy is 7-2 and two all time against Tulsa. So hopefully that's a good omen. So fellas, we've talked here all season pretty much that the Navy defense is doing a respectable job putting forth a winning effort. And it's the offense that's holding Navy back. As mentioned many times, Navy ranks 129 out of 133 football bowl subdivision schools in scoring offense averaging about 13 points per game. That's not going to get it done in the, at this level of college football. So what I wanted to start off this podcast with was Eric and Keenan putting on their offensive coordinator hats and talking about what they would do if they were calling the plays, what they would do to try to get this offense going. And I'll start off by putting in my two cents. The fullback dive, and the quarterback run straight up the middle are not working. They're, they're averaging two yards or less per carry, and it's just not happening. I understand that you have to have an inside element to keep the defense honest. Um, what I like and have seen that has worked, when Ty Lavatai, the starting quarterback, is out of the gun, he has had some success with a fake handoff and then running up the middle where he gets a little steam and he can pick a hole. He can see and a hole. He has time to read it. And then I also have seen there's been times when Navy had success with the fullback off tackle. Um, and I guess that's with his own blocking scheme, but I'm not a football coach, so I'm not sure. And then we will also remember that Against Memphis, the one good drive Navy had was when they went to the tight formation, brought the receivers in close to the line of scrimmage as extra blockers, and that led to a pretty promising series. So that's my thoughts on some things I have seen. So, Eric, you're the offensive coordinator. Your job is to get this offensive going. What would you suggest? Yeah, Bill, that's a great question. Um, you know, with us being ranked 129th, out of the whole nation, um, you know, nothing's really working right now. Uh, offense line is, is not, you know, step up to the plate where they need to be. They're not, they're not getting movement. They're not getting, you know, old, you know, holes open. We, we spoke, to, spoke about this, you know, offline about, you know, the fullback size, uh, you know, in the beginning of the year we talked about, you know, I, I thought they weren't big enough, you know, to, to, you know, <clears throat> to take the you know abuse of getting hit every play and the, you know, and, you know, I think I'm, I'm right with that aspect of, you know, their Anton's a little beat up and the holes are not there uh, as they should be. So, but also you got to realize too, like a lot of these guys that came to high school, they did not run the triple option. 
you know, I, in my high school, we never run the triple option. So, so a lot of these players are, you know, used to zone blocking, used to, you know, the quarterback, you know, not being under gun and, and taking a snap and shotgun. But, you know, as an offensive coordinator, this early in the season, you know, you can't just throw everything away because this is what you practice all preseason. This is what you practice all spring ball. This is what you practice, you know, running up to this. And you can't change an offense completely in the middle of the season because it's just not going to get better. You know, you need practice, you need practice, you know, doing the zone plays. And, and I know, you know, let's say you're an NFL player and you switch teams, you know, mid season, just by get traded or cut or move on, starting to pick up a new offense is difficult. You know, it's different blocking schemes for the fullbacks, for the running backs, to the wide receivers, to all different aspects. So, you know, you probably don't want to hear this, but you got to stick to what they're doing now and they got to get a lot better at it. And, you know, we, we spoke about this on Sunday some of these players and step up and be the X factor. They need to be the game changers. You know, last game changer, you know, the Navy had that I watched that, you know, as quarterback, they could change the play. And, you know, that Malcolm, Malcolm made, you know, coach Jasper, coach Neymar, right. A lot of the times that they were not right. Just because of the athletic, how athletic he was and how he could shift blocks and, and just make plays happen. So, you know, I'm going to say, <clears throat> stick what the coach are doing. Um, it's not working at 129th, but uh, I'm excited to see what Keaton has to say. Well, Eric makes a very good point. You can't just change the offense, and I don't know that that's what we're suggesting or advocating. What we're asking is what elements of the offense that we've seen so far or that we know exist in the playbook would seem to work as opposed to those that are not. And like I said in my open, the fullback dive and the quarterback keeper directly up the middle are not working. They're not producing yardage. It's almost like a lost play. It's a giveaway play. It, it's, it's a waste of play. You're, you're right. You're absolutely right with that. So, um, you know, Tiny's uses arm. You know, this is what, you know, Air Force stopped us countless times. And, you know, and it, it's hard to run the ball when there's 11 guys in the box. You know, they just use Ty's arm and start throwing the ball and open it up a little bit. So, Keenan, why don't you weigh in on this? You're the offensive coordinator, and you can pick and choose what plays you think would work to get this offense going. Um, and, yes, it's true, East Carolina and Air Force both packed the box with 10, 11 defenders. What, do you, what would you keep in the offense? What would you throw away? So, usually, like, you'd answer that question with, you know, obviously keep what we do good, throw away what hasn't worked. But I – struggle to like come up with like a definitive bullet pointed list of like we do these things well we do these things well we do these things well and so it's frustrating for me because I feel like we keep having the same conversation week in week out of like and I feel like we've been having this conversation for like the last two like the last two years so I gotta ask like do you consider moving personnel in order to put the best people in the best position for for opportunities. I think that after this week, depending on how it goes, you have to ask that question. Like, are you making a change? Are you doing something different? Um, there were some times, you know, Eric talked about throwing the ball more. I saw at least two plays that could have been touchdowns against Air Force. Uh, there were deep shots that were missed. So, like, that, that comes into play, right? So, you have to make it – you have to take advantage – of the plays when you get them because we're not good enough yet to miss a play and then come back and, and catch up on it on the, on the back end. Right. So 
not being able to take advantage of, of open opportunities that lead to big plays will get us beat. Plain and simple. Until we can continuously get roll out big plays, chunk plays at a, at a larger clip, when they're there, we have to capitalize. Or it's, you know, it's a wasted call. The play's dead. You miss an opportunity, you lose games off of that. So I don't really have like a formula, guys. I mean, I, like I said, it's, it's frustrating to watch as a fan and as a former player. But I mean, I don't know. I think I think you got to you got to take a hard look after this week, depending on how it goes. I mean, we can get it all turned around. You can't like like Eric said, you can't throw the, the playbook out and do new plays because now you're going to look really bad. But you don't really have an identity on the stuff that we've been kind of like you know, made our money on. So you're at a tough spot as an offense coordinator, for sure. So uh, Keenan mentioned the offensive line after the Air Force game, and it is clear that they're, for the better part of this season, Navy's offensive line has not won the line of scrimmage on a consistent basis. It, uh, it is not knocking teams off the ball. And I spoke to Ashley Ingram, the running game coordinator, who – specifically coaches the guard and centers, the guards and center. And uh, of course, Danny O'Rourke coaches the tackles. And there's an explanation here. Kip Franklin is your bell cow on the long offensive line, the, the right tackle. He's the guy that started every game last year. But Kip Franklin is so beat up and has so many nagging injuries that he barely practices. Joe Pena, the, uh, the right guard, He's actually graded out pretty well and been the most consistent blocker. But the center over to the left tackle are all first-year starters. David Hickson, the center, is a sophomore who has not played football since he was a junior in high school. He missed his senior year of high school due to an injury. He did not play as a freshman at Navy. So he is playing football for the first time since, I think, 2019. And then... Uh, next to him now is Connor McMahon. He's the left guard. Connor McMahon was a tight end in high school as a junior. He moved to tackle as a senior, was recruited to Navy as a tackle, and he was playing tackle up until the Delaware game when they decided he might be the answer at guard and shifted him over. So he's not a, he, he's a sophomore learning on the job how to play guard, and then you're left tackle at the beginning of the season it was Jamie Romo who had started the last few games of last season well Jamie Romo got hurt and so now you're to a second tackle in Sam Glover who is also a first-year starter and coach Ingram said that he believes the offensive line has shown improvement each game he believes that the parts are there that he likes the talent along the line they just need to grow develop and build chemistry guys i'll ask eric first because you're the fullback who had to run up behind these guys is a do you think the offensive line could grow right before our eyes and suddenly become a a, a solid strong unit i really hope so um you know as, as everybody knows you are as good as your offensive line um as a quarterback as a fullback as any position even wide receivers you know if the, if the offensive line is blocking and giving the quarterback time, the wide receivers shine. It's it's in high school. If you have a phenomenal offensive line, you have three, four, you know, guys that can move the ball. You could have an average running back, and he could be he could look like one of the best players out there. Um, 
you know, it shows back in the, you know, the NFL days with, you know, Emmett Smith having a phenomenal offense line. Yes, he's a phenomenal running back, but, you know, that offensive line was one of the best to ever play. Um, so I would love to see him grow. It's hard to grow, um, you know, during season, uh, as I know, as, as a former player, because you're, you're banged up. It's tough. It's, you know, every week. And, it's, and, and these players and, and the, the, the teams we play, they're not the cupcake squads that, you know, some of the Navy teams played back in the day. This is conference play. So if you, you want to get deeper into it, you know, is, you know, should we have left, you know, uh, independence and, and went to conference play? You know, you can talk about that for the next half hour if you want to. But, you know, back to your question, uh, I really hope these guys can, uh, you know, show up and, uh, and play and, and finish this, you know, the season strong. Well, one other thing I'll mention offensive line wise, uh, Larry Amortese is a guard center that Navy's very high on, and he's been slow to recover from offseason surgery. So he's another piece to the puzzle that has been missing. Now, the good news is Coach Ingram said that Amortese will see his first game action this week at center. And I mean, he's a 315 pounder, whereas David Hickson's like, 270. So they're talking about a dramatic difference in bulk at the center position. So that might help on the interior. Keenan, I mean, do you recall seeing the offensive line improve and develop as the season went along when you were at Navy? Whatever Coach Ingram says, I trust it. If he says they're going to get better, if he says they got the right pieces, then I believe we're going to see that play out on the field. However, the, the excuse of the guys being young, um, I'm not I'm not trying to hear that. I think that if you're good enough to start in Navy, you're good enough to be on that field on Saturdays, then you got to show up. I mean, that's just what it is. You got a job. You need to prepare and you got to show up. Everybody's expected to do their job. We're not going to say, oh, this is only Ty's second year of starting, you know, cut him some slack. No, I'm not trying to hear that. I, I don't want to hear that. Mikhail Haywood, he was a freshman last year. He didn't really start playing until Army. And are we supposed to cut him some slack if he doesn't play well? No, if you don't play well, you're going to be held accountable. So I, I think that uh, they will get better because they have the best coaches coaching up front. Um, but they're definitely going to get criticized from us. I think that that's only fair, right? That's the standard that we hold as part of, you know, Navy football brotherhood. Well, I think this is a crucial game on Saturday against Tulsa. As mentioned, cannot lose another home game. And secondly, you have – owned Tulsa in the season series. I can't tell you how many times I went out to Tulsa and watched Navy beat Tulsa on their home field. Last season, that was one of Navy's great wins, 20-17 to 17 out at Tulsa. So, to my mind, this is a must-win, and I expect Navy to go out there and improve to 2-3. and three. When we come back from a break, we are going to have our Academy Securities Alumni Spotlight. We are so proud that this podcast is sponsored by New Day USA. If you are an active or retired veteran and you need a loan of any sort, conventional mortgage, refinance, home equity, or even a reverse mortgage, you need to call New Day USA. Whereas another lender may turn down your application, New Day USA is more likely to say yes. So veterans, active and retired, if you need a home loan of any sort, contact New Day USA. And a quick reminder that including this weekend's game against Tulsa, there are three Navy home football games remaining in October. Be sure to get over to NavySports.com or call 1-800-US-4-NAVY to get those tickets. Do not miss a single snap 
of the exciting action taking place at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium this October. And while you're on the tickets website, be sure to sign up for your season tickets for Navy men's and women's basketball. The men and women come off a fantastic 2022 season. Do not miss a single shot this 22-23 season. And finally, be sure to check out the Veterans Classic on November 11th. Navy brings in an exciting group of teams to play in the perennial classic held every Veterans Day. So go to NavySports.com or call 1-800-US-4-NAVY. Now back to the pod. Welcome back, and it's now time for the Academy Securities Alumni Spotlight. Thank you to former Navy great Phil McConkie and the Academy Securities team for their sponsorship of this segment. We are joined by Frank Shank. 1991 graduate of the Naval Academy, and he is famous for kicking the game-winning field goal in the 1989 Army-Navy game in the Meadowlands. That is, our producer Chris Cervello has said numerous times that's one of his most favorite moments in Navy football history. Um, Frank went on to a very successful career in the service rose to the rank of captain before retiring. And now Frank is overseeing the Navy football brotherhood, which has done so many good things and has really been a, a, a wonderful group that brings all former Navy football players together to do good. And we wanted to catch up with Frank. We, we want to have him on every year to bring us up to date on Navy Football Brotherhood and its activities. And I'll start by saying, Frank, why don't you tell us about, I wrote about Tyler Tidwell, former Navy football player, outside linebacker, very good player. And, you know, he's battled ALS and he's uh, needed help. And the Brotherhood has done quite a bit to help Tyler Tidwell. Why don't you start off by telling us what you're about your initiatives with regard to Tyler? Hey, Bill. Thank you very much. Uh, Keenan, Eric, uh, good, good catching up with you. Tyler's situation is definitely one of the active initiatives that the Brotherhood is working. Uh, we currently are paying for some nursing care that he needs on a routine basis, and uh, donations come in from within the Brotherhood as well as outside of the Brotherhood since we are a nonprofit organization. And uh, 100% of that money goes towards um, initiatives or things that Tyler needs or his wife, Cassie, reaches out to me and says, hey, Frank, we really need this. And boom, boom, and we get it for him. So, you know, in addition to what we're doing for Tyler, yeah, last year we had a very successful campaign, unfortunately, dealing with Brian Bourgeois. Um, we currently have about three quarters of a million dollars that is ready to support his, his wife and family when needed. Um, as you know, John Vereen, when his house was destroyed by a tornado, I believe it was last year, the year before, um, we continue to pay John's mortgage every month, as well as he reaches out um, when he needs furniture. As the house is ready to be furnished, the Brotherhood does that. And um, Admiral Calland, some of the guys in the 70s have gotten together and, and pulled some resources within the Brotherhood to support some of the medical issues that we're dealing with. So 
those are sort of the things that we are handling within the brotherhood to support any former Navy football player that has strapped on the pad, so to speak. And, you know, I, I think there's a, a statement out there of, hey, it's not just about the four years at the academy. It's about the next 40 because you're brotherhood for life. Yes, I wrote about the John Vereen situation and you all did great work there. John's actually from my area. He went to Severn School. He's, you know, from Anne Arundel County. Um, and I've written about Tyler Tidwell as well. Um, Frank, why don't you, how many former Navy football players are actively involved with the Brotherhood? Our membership is about 2,000 as sort of a round number. Now, active involved, you know, is probably eh, maybe 75% of that number. Um, but then there's a core group of former Navy football players that run the organization. So we have an executive committee, um, Matt Harden, who you recall is our secretary, Brad Chatlos that you know is our VP, Jay Bolden runs our board of advisors, Darren Fullwood's our treasurer. So there, there's a core group that's in the executive committee. And then we have several committee chairs that are, again, former Navy football players. And, you know, the beauty of this organization is it's all volunteers. There is not one paid employee within the Brotherhood and all the money that does come in, you know, either goes to the football program direct or does things to support former Navy football players. So, you know, some of the committees, we have a, a ticket pool committee where former Navy football players want to come back to a game. They just have, you know, joined the ticket pool and boom, they have tickets whenever they come back. And we started the ticket pool about uh, 10 years ago. And now Glenn Schatz and Joe Dorenzo run the ticket pool. And we're up to 180 season tickets in the south end zone, just on the blue side of the tunnel, that when any former Navy football player comes back, they have tickets. We're all seated together. And, and that's a great initiative. And we have a a mentoring committee that is run by Tori Preston and Jordan Young. And we look to mentor the graduating seniors in the spring, as well as be involved with the team as much as possible, telling them to hang in there, get through the academy, get through playing football. And whether you stay in the service or not, you're going to be successful. And, and you know, here's some guys that can guide you as you make those decisions throughout your career. Um, Keith Boring, class of 82, runs our membership committee, always looking to find guys that have played that may not be aware of the Brotherhood and pull them in. Shalimar Brazier runs our social media platforms. So we have a Facebook group, LinkedIn group, Instagram, Twitter, the whole works to try to communicate with our membership. Greg Rivera, Mike Christ run our transition committee. So any people that are looking to transition out of the service, whether it's five years, 10 years, or after a full career of 20 plus, we look to connect them with brotherhood members or not out and in the job market to help them transition. And so, you know, we're not necessarily doing anything new this particular year. We're just continuing to grow our programs increase our influence, help each other out, and just be the best organization that we can be. 
Well, that's interesting about the ticket program. I was unaware of that. That's a new one. Uh, well, you don't want to have to worry about getting tickets for Eric Catani or Keenan Reynolds because they are now considered media thanks to this Navy football podcast, and they can get press passes from Scott Strassmeyer. Uh, <laughs> guys, why don't you jump in here? You got anything for Frank? Thanks, Frank. I appreciate everything you do. And actually, I, Bill, I got eight tickets uh, for the Memphis game when I had uh, friends that flew in. So thank you for the, the brotherhood and you know, everything that you do, Frank. Uh, Frank uh, does a ton of stuff behind the scenes that, you know, no one really you know, talks about. Um, so, Frank, I appreciate everything you do. And also, um, you know, the tailgate that goes on. Frank, you want to tell the, the listeners about the, the, the Grizz, the uh, ambulance, and, you know, what, what goes behind that as well? Um, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Gate 5 and Taylor Avenue is where the Brotherhood has a pretty large tailgater. And we have a, a sort of a tailgating vehicle slash converted ambulance that through some connections of Admiral Curtis, um, the Brotherhood accepted it as a donation, and it is a full-on, you know, decked-out tailgating vehicle. The inside's done beautifully in blue and gold, hang a TV on it, awning, the whole works. Well, people that were donated the vehicle were affiliated with a um, team called the Grizzlies. Well, Grizz was all over this thing when Tony Bennett and I flew out to Indianapolis to drive it back to Annapolis. And, and Bill, you know, every time I tell this story, the hair raises up on my arms because we get this thing as a donation with Grizz. And as you know, Alton Grizzard was, was our quarterback in the late 80s and early 90s and was my holder. And, you know, I just kind of looked up in the sky when, when I laid eyes on this vehicle that had Grizz all over it. And I just said, thank you, Alton, because it was just like him sending us a message. So, um, you know, that's just a kind of a cool story that kind of goes along with the vehicle. Um, but, yeah, we have a great tailgater, which is just um, like this particular week. Tim Harden, the team captain from the 75 team, he's organizing a little team reunion with his guys. And there's going to be about. 20 former players from the mid seventies that are all going to be having a little reunion at the brotherhood tailgater and, and this weekend in Annapolis. And lastly, I'd be remiss. I, I did forget one of our committees and it's probably the most important committee run by Joe Spencer uh, class of 92 and it's our fallen brothers. So we are, we try to recognize and pull the families in to the brotherhood of all the former players that have, Passed while serving on active duty or reserve duty, and and uh, you know that, that's probably one of the most important things we do, and and trying to just pull those families in. You know, Alton's mom and sister are part of the brotherhood. Scott Zellum uh, that that played with me. Uh, Ronnie Winchester's mom comes by the tailgater quite a bit. Um, so it's just it's a great program and we try to tie in with what the academy does with the gold star families and just look to to pull the families of all former football players that have given the ultimate sacrifice and pull them into the brotherhood well for those listeners who are not aware uh former navy quarterback alton grizzard was killed uh out in san diego while he was on uh, active duty uh, it's a long story but it was basically a domestic incident he was comforting a friend and the 
boyfriend of this friend or ex-boyfriend uh, shot Alton Grizzard. It was a terrible, terrible tragedy. But uh, for those who are not aware, that's what happened with Alton Grizzard. Um, Keenan, uh, Eric's hitting up Frank Shank for eight tickets from the Brotherhood. Uh, so if you want to bring your parents back here from Tennessee and your wife and get them to a game, I guess you you're, you can go call Frank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, hey, thanks, hey, Bill. Appreciate that, Eric. You know, uh, hey. give me hey, some I, more contacts of folks to reach out to. Uh, I need tickets, extra tickets. <laughs> hey, hey, Frank, I pay my dues. And Bill, another piece on that R fall. You know, Eric does the the Paint True initiative, and and Eric works with Joe and and R Fallen Brothers Committee, and, and they do some paintings of the former Navy football players, and we provide those to the family. So you know, lots of great stuff we do, and uh, for the love of Navy football player and everyone that's uh, strapped it on for the blue and gold. Hey, and also before you, Frank, you had a Keenan. Um, so I know Bill's going to do a story for uh, Army Navy game. Uh, Bobby Schmerman and his father, uh, as, as well as Bobby Schmerman, his class is 73, I believe, and Bobby's my class, 09. He had a son uh, recently, and Bobby is one of the biggest Navy football fans, and his dad is they were in this one Army Navy game in 50 years, and he actually named his son's middle name Alton. Yeah, you suggested that story to me last year, and remind me this year, please, because I will do that. Because I know about them going to the Army Navy game all the time. Uh, before we let Frank go, uh, Keenan, any thoughts here? Yeah, Frank, I just want to thank you for all you're doing. Um, I was embarrassingly unaware of how extensive the Brotherhood Network is, uh, the organization, I mean, and just all the people that are involved. It's amazing to see what you guys are doing. And uh, just look forward to seeing you guys on Saturdays. Awesome. Yeah. Stop by. Definitely. Uh, hey, Bill, another another quick kind of oh, by the way, is remember you did that story on Jack Galuli, the oldest aviator slash former Navy football player that's out there. He came back for the Air Force game about two years ago. Of course, that was a great article and it was very highly read. People loved. It. So and, you know, John Fay is the XO, of the Blue Angels, John Fay, former he's a former football player. Do you know, John? Oh, yeah. We had him on the Sing Second Sports podcast last year before. The Blue Angels flew. So about a month ago when the Blue Angels were in Nashville, I believe, Jack Galuli's son got Jack out to the VIP section. And there's pictures of Jack Galuli with the entire Blue Angels team as well as John Fay. It's awesome. Yeah, that's very cool. Well, there's nothing. This Navy Football Brotherhood is such a great organization. And we could go on and on talking about all the wonderful initiatives. but. The bottom line is it, it is the, the tie that binds all former Navy football players. And we encourage anyone who's listening to this podcast as a former Navy football player who is not a member, who is not involved, please be involved and join. Uh, that's going to close out another edition of the one and only Navy football podcast. I'm Bill Wagner. For Keenan Reynolds, Eric Catani, Frank Shank, and our producer, Chris Cervello, Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you uh, next week when we wrap up the Tulsa game.